Hello and welcome to All Villa, No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. And didn't Aston Villa just show it once again at Turf Moor with a massive 3-1 win? And quite frankly, it could have been more. Yet another great win under Professor Unai. Please subscribe to the podcast if you love the mighty Villa. Unfortunately, George isn't too well today, so we hope he gets better soon, of course. So on this occasion, I'm going alone, just like a Moussa Diaby run through the heart of a Burnley defence. And so this is from a YouTube reaction video I did to the Burnley game, explaining what I thought went right and some of what I thought might have gone wrong against Burnley. So uh, uh, yesterday I was at a wrestling event. Um, yep, a man in his 30s, the coolest man you've ever met. Man in his 30s went to a wrestling event, it was so damn good. But I'll tell you what was even better than that hearing that Aston Villa had battered Burnley. Um, so look, I uh, I, che- I checked it out, and uh, Professor Unai Emery, what this man has done to this football club is absolutely off the charts. I say it week in and week out. This man deserves to have his face tattooed on my face. I'll tattoo his general look on my face just so, just so people look at me and go, how smart that guy is. This man is a football genius. He actually knows what he's talking about. Because, I mean, truly, have you, as a Villa fan, have you ever seen anything like this ever from a manager? Now, look, you can go back to Ron Saunders and, you know, winning the league and um, European Cup. Of course, he left just before that happened. Um, so I think he goes down probably as our greatest ever manager. And I didn't see that era, sadly. But for me, like, you know, I remember 1992 is when I started supporting Aston Villa. My first Villa game was that year, the first year of the Premier League, coincidentally. And so I remember, you know, Ron Atkinson, Brian Little, John Gregory, Martin O'Neill. But I don't think I can ever recall an Aston Villa team that has just looked so versatile and comfortable on the ball and every single week you never quite know what they're going to do what the game plan is going to be but they're going to prepare for the opposition in a way that you might not foresee and suddenly they just look great and that you know I think we just have to accept and I kind of said this after the Brighton game last season when we beat them 2-1 at Villa Park final day last season and it was a brilliant game and both teams I said after I said they're just two brilliant football teams how could a neutral not enjoy watching these two teams? The way they play, the way they, they're just so, you know, committed to keeping the ball on the deck or, you know, att- attack a team in such you know, different and versatile and intelligent ways. They defend in intelligent ways. Everything about it is really well coached, well thought through, high-end football, right? And to see that at Aston Villa is just, just amazing. And, you know... First day of the season, we lost 5-1 at Newcastle, right? And since then, Newcastle, bizarrely, have actually lost two games and Villa have gone and won twice in the Premier League. Now, the thing, the thing I thought with that Newcastle game was I did think it was a bit freakish. I think Newcastle obviously are a really good side, right? And they will have a propensity at that stadium with that atmosphere, with the type of players they have and the way they play. They will, there will be days when they just batter a team and sometimes the opposition, the heads might just go at certain moments. And I think that's what happened with Villa. The Tyrone Mings injury did impact the team. It had to. You throw Pal Torres in for his Premier League debut. 
in that arena, in that event, in those circumstances with Mings getting such a bad injury, um, and then consummates that mistake and you go down to 3-1. Actually, there were moments in that game where Villa played really well. They just were. Um, you know, and that kind of gets a bit overlooked. And so I, I do think there was an element of freakishness about it. You know, um, not to say Villa were brilliant that day, but th- there were positive signs, I thought. Now, for a team like Villa, to, you know, in the past, I would say what Villa would do is they'd have a horrible loss like that. Then you'd be thinking, right, we're in for two months here of Villa trying to get their act together. You know, and, and you know, the week after they go and play in Everton, for instance, like we did, and Everton would turn up at Villa Park and be all physical, punch you in the face, an elbow here, headlock here, you know, getting Ollie Watkins in a headlock, giving him one of them. And Villa would kind of like have a lot of possession, but not really do anything with it. And then just go and lose 1-0 to a set piece, header at the back post in the 75th minute. We try and put a load of pressure on. We don't score. And we all we and at the end there's a chorus of boo. Right. The chorus of boo is my national anthem. It's what I've grown up with. It's what I'm so used to. Right. Um, when I hear boo, I stand up and put my heart hand on my heart. I'm not, I think I'm, it feels like an anthem to me. Um, but now, instead, Everton turn up and try and be defensive. And what happens? You try, you try and turn up and be defensive and catch Villa with long balls. And Villa will just overrun you, outplay you and tear you to pieces. It's like it's almost like Wenger Arsenal in in the good days. At times, I'm not saying it's that level, but it's 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 just elements of it. And so Villa going batter Everton four nil. In a, so what what a great response that was to a horrible opening day. Yes, Everton are abysmal. I think one of the worst performances I've seen at Villa Park. But I also think Villa did make them look absolutely terrible. Um, and you know they present the opportunity for you to go and beat them in that way. And Villa took it. And then they go and beat Hibs again. Not a good side, but look, football's full of games where you've underestimated the opposition. Stevenage, you know, this year, Bradford ten years ago in the in the Carabao Cup semis. Um, you know, countless football teams have been caught up by underestimating an opposition and not really bothering. And Villa barely got out of third or fourth gear against Hibernian and still went and won five nil. Now look, yeah, again, the caveat is Hibs are not very good and have just sacked their manager, but. Then you go to Burnley away. Now, Burnley have had two weeks to prepare for Aston Villa. Two weeks, because they didn't play. You know, the Luton game got postponed. So they've had two weeks to really sit around, think, how can we play the Villa, right? They, they can watch the um, how we played last season. They can watch the Newcastle game. They can watch Everton. And they can watch Hibs, right? And they can really draw out an idea of like, okay, this is what Villa are doing. And, it, you know, and then for Villa ourselves... All Emery had to go off really was that Man City game. Really, you know, obviously you could look at how they played last season, and some of that will be transferred to this season. But they'll probably play a bit differently in the Premier League, and also, uh, you know, uh, they've got new signings, um, so things will just be different. It's quite, it is quite hard to prepare for that. You know, Burnley they had that bad result against City, but that's what can happen. You know, so to this kind of probably felt a bit like their actual true opening day of the season. You know, a good time in the day. You know, the fans are right up for it. High energy and all that. And Villa turn up and absolutely outclass them by playing super football. I mean, I am spinning. I'm I'm spinning. Aston Villa doing this. Like, this is Villa. This is who we are now. I mean, 
I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get excited. Yeah, my, my voice is going to go high pitched, you know, like a little 40 year old choir boy. I mean, because I just, when have we ever seen this? And it feels like, you know, I was apprehensive going into this Burnley game just because I thought, you know, they've had the time to prepare. Will they catch us a bit cold? And instead, like, have you ever just turn up and do the business? Now, every single goal was high quality, high quality football. And truly, it could have been five or six. Same against Everton. It could have been six or seven. Isn't that amazing? Three games in a row, Everton, Hibs and Berlin, it could have been six or seven every game. Amazing, right? And, you know, the first goal, uh, Matty Cash at the back post. Now, you know, I said to Howell with Emery, you never really quite know what you're going to get. Now, to put Matty Cash further forward, right, you know, Leon Bailey had a great game, well, a really good game against Everton. You know, goal, assist, worked really well with Diaby uh, in that front right position and Matty Cash was at right back. And then Bailey scores again against Hibbs and looks good there as well. So you're thinking, you know, most managers probably stick with that formula. But, you know, it's been other Villa fans on Twitter suggested to me that maybe Bailey got taken out because he doesn't play that well away from home. I think that's a fair shout because Bailey, that's the criticism of him, isn't it? He's never, he's not fully consistent. So to put Matty Cash further forward, now this is something I've raised on the podcast before. I said, He's played further forward for Forest for a long time, you know, and for uh, for Poland, he actually has played in right midfield as an advanced wing back. So he has played these attacking roles more. And at Villa, we've never really seen it bar one occasion I can think of where it was against Wolves. And to be quite frank, I'd been saying before that I'd like to see Matty Cash tried a bit further forward. And then against Wolves, he actually played really poorly. It didn't work at all. And from that moment, on, I thought, well, maybe this is why he's not played further forward in the Premier League. And uh, Unai Emery, I know maybe he thought similar. Maybe maybe that's why he didn't play further forward again, really, uh, for the rest of the season. Um, but Emery, he's had time to consider it. He's had time to watch him in training and given him an, a, a role to do at Burnley away, throwing him in and inspired. Absolutely inspired. Cash was superb. His, his sort of his athleticism, he's a very athletic player. So getting in at the back post was really nice. His interchange with Diaby was really nice. There was two occasions where Diaby overlapped him when Cash cut inside, right? And that happened with the second goal. Um, you know, again, lovely play from back to front, really rapid football. And eventually when Cash gets the ball, he comes inside, Diaby does the overlap, Cash sends it to him, Diaby cuts it back, goal, right? That was the second goal. Then quite soon after it, it was a very similar move where, again, Matakash got that ball, started coming inside, and Diaby made a really intelligent run, overlapped him, and, you know, went for the pullback and all that. Wasn't a goal that occasion. But you got to think, like, you know, there's probably a, 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 a sort of a pattern there where you look at Cash played really well further forward, and Leon Bailey played well against Everton. And on both occasions, it was linking up with Diaby. Now, Diaby, I think, has looked like an elite player since he joined. Every interview I did with German football experts before uh, he joined, uh, you know, you can go back and watch them if you want. All of them said that he's a Champions League level player, right? And everything I've seen of him so far, from pre-season right to now, how rapidly he's settled into the Premier League, 
he looks like an absolutely elite player, doesn't he? And what a brilliant goal it was. He got a goal and assist again. Fantastic third goal as well. Great finish. But the first goal, you know, the speed at which Villa got forward, um, I think it was, uh, it kept, basically, it came into McGinn, maybe from Pau Torres, actually. But McGinn got it and that lovely ball over the top. We'd done it once before then, but the ball over the top. And what I noticed watching the highlights was how there was like three Burnley players on three Villa. And I think they said after it, didn't they, that uh, Emery said um, he noticed that it was a bit of, it was like a man-for-man -man approach by Burnley against Man City. So we watched that one game and figured it out and thought, and thought you have you have to play the ball rapidly against that. So that's, you know, experienced manager, knows what the hell he's doing. And you hear Matty Cash after the game says, it just feels like he can predict what's going to happen in a football game before it happens. Elite coaching in it. I mean, what a, what a manager to have at the Villa. Um but yeah, look, ball over the top and Ollie Watkins, great run. Um, good uh, ball over to uh, Max Cashy makes a superb um, running there at the back post for 1-0. And then the second goal, I mentioned it, but something I really liked about that goal was how the ball went from central defence all the way to the front so rapidly, right? And I, I said this in previous weeks that I haven't really seen it with Carlos so much yet, but Pal Torres in particular, Pal Torres with those... Basically, what he's really good at doing, and I've noticed this in preseason as well, was how when Villas like a Douglas Luiz or a Kamara are deeper and split apart, and there's a gap open where there's a, there's a press and people are trying to mark Luiz and uh, Kamara out the game and trying to put pressure on um, Torres. But what happens is that gap opens, and he's so good at picking out that curve pass into particularly Diaby, but McGinn, Diaby, Watkins are all there. That curved low ball along the floor really rapidly into Diaby. Villa back to front really quickly. And Diaby's very good at turning on the ball back to goal. getting And then those interlinks are just ripping teams apart at the moment. And um, it wasn't actually Pau Torres who played that ball. It was actually uh, Carlos who played that ball between uh, the midfield. And then, um, I don't know, just that one touch round to uh, Matty Cash. And then Cash and Diaby link up just... What a goal. What a goal. Really rapid football. Um, good movement. Good intelligent movement. Well coached. Just a team who looks like they know what the hell they're doing. They're very comfortable playing together. And there's a lot of versatility in there. And then the third goal, again, John McGinn mentioned it here. I think he's the most underrated player in the Premier League now. I just do. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. I think if Alex Ferguson was still around at Manchester United, I think Man United would be making a bid for him. Because he looks like that type of United era player, a winner, a physical player, but real quality on the ball. Um, and I think that in a team that was is really dominant, you're really seeing the best of him. Last season under um, Steven Gerrard, uh, even under Dean Smith, quite often he'd have to play defensive roles. And I don't think that's him. He's, you know, you're asking him to play in deeper roles. You're basically asking him to play the Douglas Ruiz role or, the, you know, a Luka Modric style role. And that's not really his strength. His best position has always been further forward. It's why he scores so much for Scotland because he's playing further forward. And to be honest, he's actually got a lot better playing deeper, I think, when he has done for Villa in recent times. I mean, everyone's improved under Emery by the looks of it. But, um, but yeah, playing further forward, it's really working for him. And again, that ball into him um, from the defence. Uh, I think it was Torres got it into McGinn. McGinn turning and that, uh, what a pass and what a run that was from Diaby, or from Luca Dean, sorry. And then Luca Dean, uh, lovely ball back to Diaby and a great finish. And I think, you know, when you sign a player of Diaby's 
quality, that's what can happen in it. Like, you know, the game can change so rapidly. So amazing. What were the, the worries? I think, you know, after halftime, you'd say, what can Villa not do with 2-0, the most dangerous lead in football? Don't concede early. And what did they do? Conceded bloody early. Now, Burnley were always going to come out firing quickly. You know, they're always going to be annoyed and we have to get back into this quickly. Um, Villa got a little bit... Uh, it, I'd say Pau Torres was, was sort of pushed aside physically a bit too easy there. That's probably an adaptation for him in the Premier League to get a bit more used to that. I mean, a league is a physical league. Champions League's physical, Europa League's physical, so he's used to that. But uh, your Premier League, I guess, yeah, he's just got to. He's got. He's just got to be. A little, you know, in that sort of position, it just looked a little bit too easy for the uh, for the Burnley player to knock him off the ball, didn't it? So that's something you like to see improved on, I think, in the coming weeks and months. But um, you know, that wasn't a great goal to concede early on, and a couple of times, you know, Olsen with his playing it out from the back or. You know, coming out to get catch it when Jay Rodriguez had a header at the end. It, it, it's just moments that leave you a bit like, oh, that drop off from Martinez to Olsen's significant, isn't it? And I can't help but think there will be games where that could cost us. But look, um, you know, another player who did come on, Zaniolo. Um, great little cameo, wasn't it? Uh, probably should have scored. Definitely should have got an assist for... Um, Watkins, um, just as he was running in on goal. I can understand why he shot, but, you know, if he just put it to his left, Watkins had an open goal, didn't he? Um, so that's something I'd say Emery would be really pleased with that, with what Zaniolo did, how he looks so comfortable on the ball. He looks like a big physical unit, doesn't he? For such a skillful, languid player, he's really big, strong-looking kid, isn't he, or guy? Um, and a couple of really lovely moments. I mean, that nutmeg. Goodness me. Goodness me, you know, you think of Italian geniuses, Caravaggio, um, Michelangelo, Da Vinci, you know, Donatello. Uh, now you got Zaniola. Is Zaniola the best of them all? No, look, um, he's uh, he, he looked he looked um, very comfortable there yesterday for Villa. So that was a really positive start. I'd say there'd be just moments where I just pass it at the right occasion. But surely that will come, you know, as, as he plays and uh, the more he plays. And um, basically after that cameo, I cannot wait to see more from him. Oh, that's exciting, isn't it? But anyway, there you go. As I say, what an exciting time to support the Villa. What a manager we have. Liverpool away. Well, Hibs at home next, but then Liverpool away in the Premier League. Oh, very exciting. No Virgil van Dijk for that game as well. Can Aston Villa do it? Would you bet against us? Because I wouldn't up the mighty Villa. So that was the review of Aston Villa's awesome win over Burnley. Plenty more of those to come, hopefully. And normal service will resume on the podcast this week. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa. <laughs>